Good morning, church. It is so good to see you. My name is Corey, and I serve as the student pastor, and it is a joy to be able to deliver God's word to you this morning. A special shout out to Arthur for letting me break your Christmas series or the series after Christmas. He's gotten to preach this uh, sermon the last three times, three years, and so uh, I asked if I could uh, jump in and break up his series. So maybe next Christmas you'll get to get the fourth part of his series. But it is good to be with you this morning. Now, for many of you that know me uh, or have at least read my bio on the church website, uh, you know that I played baseball in college. Now, when you hear that, you may have this picture in your head of someone who was like really, really good. I just tried really hard and someone let me on their team. And so, uh, but I got to play a couple years of college baseball. But one of my favorite things that I did at East Texas Baptist University where I played was we had to do some community service hours. And so me and some buddies decided to coach a four and five-year-old t-ball team. And it is this half cute, half miserable experience. Um, But what made it even more interesting was right behind the field was an airstrip. And so planes are landing and taking off while we're trying to play t-ball. And I don't know if you know this about four and five-year-olds, they love planes. They love pointing at planes. They love telling their teammates that there's a plane. They love shouting to their parents to tell them that there is a plane. And so it's just this constant, the ball is in the outfield, kids running around the base, but doesn't matter. Like there is a plane in the sky. And this is so important because in a sport where you're told to keep your eye on You're supposed to keep your eye on the ball the whole game, and yet, distractions. There is planes in the sky. How can you play baseball when there's a plane in the sky? And so, as I think about that story, there's a a story in Scripture that I want to share with you that I, I believe is a timely message for us as we head into a new year, and it's a story of focus. So the Scripture we're going to be looking at is Matthew 14, 22 through 23, and so let's read that. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because of the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake, When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they had climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. May God bless us with the reading of his word. I love this story, and even more so, I had the privilege in the summer of 2018 to go to Israel and to visit the Sea of Galilee. And one of the days that we were there, we climbed up a mountain on the side of the Sea of Galilee. And, you know, we're these, you know, we've got our 
camelback water, you know, we're sipping water the entire time. We've got nice hiking shoes, and we're like ready to conquer the day. And it took us about four hours to get to the top of this mountain. And then we got there, and we could see the Sea of Galilee, and it was just beautiful. Um, And then we sat down, and we pulled out our Bibles, and we read this passage. And I was reminded that Jesus climbed a mountain to pray. Now, I don't know what kind of Jesus sandals he had on, uh, or if he had a camelback, if he had some water with him or what, but he climbed a mountain to get alone with God, to remain fixed on the mission, to spend time with him, to focus on the doing the mission and the will of God the Father. This passage spoke out to me because in the midst of doing incredible ministry, right before this, he feeds the 5,000, he's, he's healed people, he's done some incredible things, and yet he made it a priority to stop and be alone and focus. And if the Son of God takes a moment to stop and focus, he climbs a mountain to stop and focus, how much more important is it for us, maybe not to climb a mountain, but to focus and to stop and fix our eyes on what's important. So in our time together this morning, I want to ask two questions about our focus and talk about two planes that takes our eye off of Jesus. The first question is, where is our focus? In this passage, there are two instances where we see both Jesus and Peter focusing, taking a moment to focus. We see Jesus climbing a mountain to pray, to be alone, to focus, but we also see Peter You know, he steps out of the boat and walks on water. Jesus, after spending many hours, likely six or seven hours, up on the mountainside to pray and then coming back down, he walks to uh, the middle of the sea, walks on water to where the boat is. Now, I know this about the Sea of Galilee. They call it a sea, but it's really like a lake. You can see the other side. It's not a very huge lake. The fact that they were only that far at that time of night, I know the winds can really come off those mountains and it's crazy, but for me, the person who is in control of everything, part of me thinks that Jesus had a plan for this moment uh, because they should have been to the other side by then, but the winds were against them. Jesus walks out on the water. and Peter says, if it's you, tell me to come out to you. And Jesus says, come, and Peter walks on water. I know we've, many of us have heard this story before, But remember, Peter was a fisherman. He had gotten in and out of boats his entire life. He knows that when he steps off of a boat, he sinks. And yet, with great faith, he says, if it's you, I'll walk out to you. And Jesus says, come. Now we know that it wasn't because of Jesus's, or because of Peter's power that he was able to walk on water. We know that it was because of Jesus. He focused and fixed his eyes on Jesus, and he was able to do the impossible. And I think this is an example for our lives in Christ, and as, as you and I live by faith, when our eyes are fixed on Jesus, our faith is stronger. Our courage and boldness is ready for action. Our trust in God's power and his plan for our lives is greater all because of the firm foundation, all because our eyes are fixed on Jesus. And I know this is true for my life. I am a noticeably different person 
whether if I've spent time with Jesus or not. I am a different person. My, my mood, my personality, my joy, everything about me is different if I have been focusing on Jesus or if I've gone a, a period of time where I've not stayed focused on Jesus. Now, I don't know if that's true for your life. I definitely know it's true for me. You could probably ask my wife um, that I'm a noticeably different person when I'm spending time with Jesus or if I am not. And when I mean focus, I mean that daily time spent with him in his word, or acknowledging him throughout my day. Now, I have a a one-year-old at home, and so that's where my focus is a lot of the times, and a lot of times my prayers are just in between breaths. You know, it is not a long, extended, quiet time with my coffee and next to a candle, or like, you know, that sweet time, you know, with the Lord. Sometimes it's quick and very small, but even in the midst of that, when my focus is on the Lord, even if it's for moments of the time, I know that I'm a noticeably different person. But where is our focus? Often in conversations with people, when someone asks, asks, how are you? Most people respond with, good, just busy. How many of you have said that before? We're good, just busy, or I'm fine, just busy. I probably said it earlier in the lobby today. Like, I, I say that often. And I can imagine in 2022, you will be busy. You'll be good, but just busy. We experience a lot of busyness with work, social lives, family lives, which many are good things. But yet, I was looking on social media the other day and I saw this quote that I just had to share it with you. Adulthood is saying, but after this week, things will slow down a bit over and over until you die. (laughs) And I thought, that is... A true statement. I cannot tell you how many times I said, if we can just get through this week, whoo, life will be good. It was busy. And then I said it the next week and the next week over and over again. What, what if, but what I've learned is that if I don't make it a priority to stop and to focus and spend time with Jesus, I won't. If I don't make it a priority, I won't. And I believe that might be true for many of us. If we don't make it a priority, we won't because we stay busy. But it is so important for us to do that. Jesus was busy doing incredible things, yet he stopped and he rested to remain focused on the mission before him. I believe this is why God created the Sabbath day, so that we would rest, that we would spend time with him. And so I want to encourage you as you think about or enter into 2022, that you think about what rhythms or space that you can create in your life that you can spend time with Jesus, even if it's for a couple more minutes each and every day or reminders throughout the day that you can be mindful of God's presence in your life. I encourage you to do that. Well, why did Peter and why do we struggle to focus on Jesus? So this leads me to two planes I want to share with you. And the first plane is the plane of distraction. When Peter was focused on Jesus, he walked on water, yet he became distracted. The winds and the waves caused him to lose focus. He began to sink. And this is the moment in the story I believe is so relatable. Because Peter, a man of faith taking quite literally steps of faith, becomes distracted. I know there have been definitely times in my life where I've been distracted by my situations and circumstances that I lose focus 
Much like the t-ball players, I get caught looking at the planes and take my eye off the ball. Jesus models this well for us, removing distractions to get alone with God. So can I share with you something that I've been working on to help me focus, remove distractions, and rest in God? Screen time. We're going to do something. I've done this with students, I think, a time before, but we're going to do this right now, okay? If you have a phone, will you get it out? I'm asking, like, get out your phone right now, because I want to show you something, all right? If you have an iPhone, there's a thing called screen time. You go to settings, and I think it's like the fifth or sixth, uh, you know, tab down. Or if you have an Android, it's called digital well-being. Um, but did you know there is a feature on your phone that tells you how many times you pick up the phone and turn it on? It even tells you how long you are on your phone and how long you are on your apps. Now, this message is not about how well we can use digital and technology and all of those things and how it can be a detriment to your faith or it can help you in your faith and all of those things. There is a parent conference coming up in February. You, if you have a child, please sign up for that. It's gonna be great. They are gonna talk about how you can parent your kids uh, through the digital age and there's gonna be a breakout session. So I encourage you to sign up for the parent conference. It's gonna be in February. There's gonna be a lot more talk about technology. So I don't know if you know this, you can look at your phone and see how long you've been on your apps. And I have to confess, there's been a week recently where I spent 24 hours on social media in one week. I lost an entire day of the week on social media. Now, some of you sitting here are like, that's child's play. I've spent a lot more time. <laughs> some of you are like, what is social media? That's a whole nother topic. Maybe you should come to that parent conference. But I've spent a lot of time. And I can, and I can justify it. Oh, man, I follow students on social media. It's really me just figuring out what are they doing in their lives so that next time I see them and I ask them about their trip or what they've been doing or things like that, which is true. I can, I can keep tabs on my church family through social media, but 24 hours, that's just me not focusing. That's me putting something before my eyes that is ultimately worthless. That's me taking time away from my son and my wife and the Lord on something that's not really that quite important. So for me, I know for me to help focus and fix my eyes on Jesus, it might mean removing distractions. What are the mountains that you need to climb to get away? What are the things that you need to get away from? What are those distractions in your life that's keeping you from focusing and fixing your eyes on Jesus? Not only was Peter distracted, but he doubted God. The next word I want to look at is doubt, the plane of doubt. Peter was a disciple who had watched Jesus calm a storm in Matthew chapter 8. He had watched Jesus feed the 5,000 and do incredible miracles and healings. He knew the power that Jesus had, yet he was afraid and doubted. I believe many of us in this room have witnessed some miracles. We've seen people's lives change. We've seen hearts of stone become hearts of flesh. We've seen people change their lives and give their lives to the Lord. And we've seen God do miracles in and through people. We've seen God answer prayers. We have seen the power of God. Maybe in our own lives, we've seen God's power. And yet, don't we find ourselves in seasons of doubt? 
seasons where we're afraid, seasons where we lack that trust that Jesus is in control. Again, I find that so relatable because I fall into that as well, of a season in my life where I'm not trusting in God, I'm not trusting in his control and his plan, even though I've seen him do incredible things. I've read the passage, Romans 8, 28, that says he works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. I should have more trust in his plan and power in my life. Yet, I know that our God is patient with us. He can handle our doubts. I'm reminded every time I read David's words in the Psalms that are filled with doubts and questions, yet I'm also reminded of how often in the midst of storms in David's life, he still kept his faith in God and trusted in his goodness and power, even in challenging situations. So my encouragement to you is if you are experiencing doubt and fears today, much like Peter, our, sometimes our reaction to that is to distance ourselves from God because we may feel guilty or ashamed. But that's the very opposite of what we need to do is that we ought to take steps closer to Jesus to fix our eyes even more on Jesus. So if you're experiencing that doubt or fear, run to Jesus, not distance yourselves. Not saying, I'll do this on my own or my own power and strength. Because we saw what happened when Peter took his eyes off Jesus. He began to drown. And yet, we can often do the same thing. Take our eyes off Jesus and it ends us in places where we didn't intend to go. So if you're feeling that today, focus, fix your eyes on Jesus and take steps closer to Jesus. The second question that I want to ask us today is why do we focus on Jesus? So Jesus walks out on the water to meet the disciples. He calms the fears. He assures them he is not a ghost. Peter walks out to him and Peter begins to drown and then Jesus calms the seas. There's three things that I want to point out about Jesus that we see in this story. The first one is Jesus's power. Jesus reveals his power over creation, the ability to walk on water and calm the seas. He can calm the literal storms, but also the storms of our lives. He shows us that he is the one in control. And this is a good reminder for me because there are many times in my life where I feel like my life is out of control. But when I read this story, I'm reminded of Jesus's power that he is good and he is in control. So my question to you is, what areas of your life do you need the power of Jesus? What areas in your life do you need to submit to God and acknowledge that he is in control? The second thing I see in this passage about Jesus that I wanna point out is Jesus's invitation. When I think of invitation, I think of uh, a wedding invitation. Many of you have probably been invited to a wedding or you've sent out wedding invitations and they're beautiful and they're nicely uh, decorated, maybe even in calligraphy, like it's really nice handwriting. The weight of the paper, you know they, it's expensive. They paid a little bit of money for it or the parents paid a little bit of money for it and it's really nice. They even give you that little envelope that already has the stamp on there to return. I mean, it's nice, all right? I think of those invitations when I think of invitation and yet what we see in this passage is Jesus invites Peter to walk with him. 
Jesus could have been like, I'm the son of God. I'm the only one who walks on water. And yet he says, come. He invites Peter to walk with him. And that same invitation to walk with God is still for you and me to walk with him. May not be on literal water. I've tried. But in your life, he is inviting you to walk with him daily. If you've never walked with Jesus, he is inviting you to walk. If you've been walking with him for years, but you feel distracted or have doubts, he is inviting you to walk with him. That invitation is still open. And that invitation, that life that he's inviting you to is just an abundance of life and love and joy and freedom. Accept that invitation. I know there's a lot of busyness and things going on in your life, but this is the best thing that we could accept. And the third thing is Jesus' grace. Look at verse 30 and 31. It says that when Peter shouts, save me, Jesus immediately took hold of Peter when he began to sink. That word immediately sticks out to me. This is one of those moments where I'm really thankful that Jesus is not like me. Because if I were in that moment, I'd probably make Peter struggle a little bit. A little bit of consequence for taking your eyes off me. There's a popular saying going around on the internet that many of our students uh, know, but it says, look at the consequences of my own actions. And yet, even though Peter doubted, he took his eyes off Jesus, Jesus immediately saves. The moment that Peter cries out, save me, Jesus immediately saves. That is good news, church, that when we cry out, God hears and God saves. So why do we focus on Jesus? He is the one that has the power to calm seas that he is in control of all things. He is inviting us to a life of love and joy and freedom. He's got an incredible amount of grace to save us when we cry out to him. That's why we focus on Jesus. That's why as we go into this new year, we focus on Jesus. We are like Peter. We've been invited by Jesus. And we can have this desire to walk with God, but we lose focus. We doubt and lack faith. We worry and stress about the storms around us. What I love about this story is that when Peter cries out, Jesus immediately saves. And this is true for us. When we cry out, he hears. And let's look at the last verse, verse 33. When we focus on Jesus and we remember his power, his invitation, and his grace... I am confident we will respond like the disciples with worship, knowing that Jesus is the Son of God. When we focus on Jesus and we're reminded of those things, that he is the one with power, that he's inviting us to walk, and that he has enough grace to save us, that we will worship him. And we will know that Jesus is the Son of God. I want to close uh, with this familiar hymn. When I read this story from Matthew 14, I can't help but think about the hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, by Helen Lamel. It says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, 
Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. This hymn gives me hope and direction. It gives me something that I can control, which is my focus, but it also gives me hope that compared to the glory and the grace of Jesus, everything else, the waves of distraction and doubt, they become small when we focus on Jesus. You may be at a place where you feel like you're sinking, you need a hand, you need rescuing. The storms going on around you are really distracting. But just as this hymn says, and also Hebrews 12, one through two says, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let's do that in this season and in this next year. Let's focus and fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time where we can read your word, and I thank you for the message that you have given to us, that you are in control, that you are inviting us, and that you are ready to save and to rescue us from sin. God, I thank you for your incredible love for us. God, forgive us when we are distracted by the planes of distractions and doubts. God, instead of distancing ourselves from you and feeling the guilt and the shame of not living like we know we should or responding like we should, God, help us to fix our eyes on you, to trust you, to to be reminded that you love us and you loved us first. You are inviting us into a relationship with you. God, help us to remember that in this year to come. Pray all these things in your son's name. Amen.